AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Hi, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome to Business on the Brink a production from iHeartRadio and How Stuff Works. It's 1996, and you're about to jet off to a city on the other side of the country. But how are you going to spend all that valuable time on a plane with no personal entertainment services? And how do you handle the in-flight jitters? What can soothe your consumerist mind? How about you indulge in some retail therapy? This is SkyMall on Business on the Brink. Hey everybody, my name is Jonathan Strickland. And I'm Ariel Caston. This episode was another listener request from Al Khan. Yes, thank you and, for that. And uh, before we get into this, uh, I uh, I am someone who has traveled extensively by aeroplane. I have traveled occasionally by aeroplane. And uh, I can tell you that many an aeroplane trip that I have taken uh, was spent perusing the various odd and uh, assorted weirdness of Sky Mall magazine. Did that magazine include a dictionary that told you to pronounce the word aeroplane as aeroplane? It did not. <laughs> it did not. I mean, maybe. I mean, who knows? The the stuff in Sky Mall magazine became famous for how weird it got. That's not how it all started off. So we will tell the story of Sky Mall magazine. I also want to say before we get into this, 
like I knew about Sky Mall Magazine, mm-hmm. and I just assumed that Sky Mall Magazine kind of went away because of lots of very obvious reasons, right? Like you had yeah. the rise of entertainment uh, systems on planes. You had the ability to use your electronic devices on planes that was instated later on. You, you had, have internet ordering. Yeah, you had, you know, you had competitors like Amazon coming up. And yes, all of that will play a very large part in this story. Spoiler alert. <gasps> but... There's also some crazy shady business stuff that ended up playing a very large factor that I was completely unaware of until we did this. Should it have been called Sly Mall? Well, I would suggest that Sky Mall was not the one at fault here, but rather a different company. But that is putting the cart before, before the, the plane. Oh. All right. So anyone who traveled a lot, especially in the 90s, maybe early 2000s, is probably familiar with Sky Mall. So mm-hmm. it's it's called a magazine, but most of us probably thought of it as a catalog. But it was a catalog of stuff largely from other companies. Um, and there are a lot of jokes about this magazine, and there's even a song about it. Yes, by Jonathan Colton, who is an artist both Jonathan and I like a lot. Yeah, yeah Ariel, you like Jonathan Colton a lot. I, I remember that you got proposed to right in front of him. Yes, as my husband sang our song, which is one of his songs, on a, the second Jonathan Colton cruise. We were also on the first one. Uh, fun time, you guys. That's beside the point. Yeah, I've never been uh, on the Joko cruise, but I, I, do, uh, I do appreciate that. So yes, Jonathan Colton has a song that really is dedicated to how strange, bizarre, and in some ways wonderful this magazine was, although it does start with the lie, O'Hare is nice this time of year. We all know O'Hare is never nice. I've never been to O'Hare. Oh, gosh, I've flown through it a few times. That's mostly Jonathan's biased opinion there. But after that line, it really picks up. So here's the thing, is that Sky Mall could have gone away before it ever even really got going because of the initial business model that was the underpinning of the company. It was uh, one that we can say uh, pretty effectively did not work. But Mm -hmm. here we go. So it all starts with a guy named Robert Worsley. He was one of the founders and is frequently cited as the main founder of the company. And he came up with the idea uh, for Sky Mall. And if the name Robert Worsley sounds familiar, uh, you may be someone who lives in Arizona because he serves in the state Senate in Arizona. Uh, in fact, his term is up at the end of 2019. Mm. So, but, but before that, he was a public accountant, right? Yes. He was a public accountant with Price Waterhouse. And he was coming up with this, this idea about what if you had a catalog that you could find on a plane. Mm-hmm. And the catalog had all these sorts of different things that a traveler might want. Mm-hmm. It was less uh, novel stuff back then. So, you know, like you weren't going to find a Bigfoot statue. Oh, or, but that's the best stuff. Or like the butler uh, wine holder that where it looks like the butler's drinking a bottle of wine. That's the best. Yeah, but none of, that the... was, none of that was really in it then. It was Crap. more like, luggage and and belts and ties and that kind of stuff. And the idea was that uh, you would actually order that while you were on the plane. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense because if you forgot to pack a tie or a belt or you broke your suitcase en route, 
you might want to have a quick replacement ready yeah. and available. And so, yeah, that was sort of the concept. And the idea was that the would-be customer would use an air phone, which in the old days was a phone that was in the back of the passenger seat ahead of you. Sometimes there's only one per row. So like a, a car phone. Kind of like a car phone. And you would swipe a credit card in order to be able to use it, and you would pay an exorbitant amount of money for a very short phone call. That sounds like a fantastic deal to me. Yeah. Well, and keep in mind that this is also a time where air travel, I mean, it wasn't like it was uncommon, but this was a time where people tended to dress up on planes and stuff still. Like it wasn't quite it, it was making the transition into what air travel is today, but it was still a fairly expensive method of getting around. I mean, air travel, if you are not married to somebody in the air travel business, is still pretty expensive. Is it? I wouldn't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And also, side note, I still like dressing up to get on an airplane. I think it's classy. It's shorts and uh, thong <laughs> for me. And by thongs, I mean flip-flops. flip-flops. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, no, uh, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. We all thank goodness. <laughs> so the idea was that you would use the airphone to actually place the order for whatever it was you wanted in the catalog. And then on the ground, in a warehouse near whatever destination airport you were flying to, there would be all the different items in the catalog, and someone from the Sky Mall company would pack up your order, rush it over to the airport, and you would be greeted on the ground with whatever it was you ordered. So you would have your delivery upon arriving at your destination. That was the that was the business model plan. And I think anyone with a little, you know, skepticism or or thought might have a few concerns about that plan. Yeah. But you know who didn't have a few concerns about that plan? Well, Graham Alcock, Alan Lobuck, and Matthew Del Bianco didn't because they were the other co-founders. Yeah, they said Skymall. they said, cool, let's do this. Yeah. So they established it in 1990 or maybe 1989. There's some disagreement on dates. I assume that what happened was Worsley came up with the idea in 89 and then they were officially incorporated in, in 90. 90. Yeah. But uh, the original plan was that they were going to try and carry stuff from very, very recognizable brands. Like, like Land's End. Yeah, exactly. Like things that people would know, they'd be you know confident that the quality was going to match their expectation rather than I'll just buy a tie from this – thing that I have no idea where it came from. They From the newsstand yeah. in the airport <laughs> right. that says, we love Atlanta. Yeah, th- this was a little better than that. And so the idea was that you would then sell these things at a healthy markup because obviously you need to make a profit, right? So you would buy the stuff at wholesale from wherever the, you know, whatever the, the manufacturer was, mm-hmm. and you would sell it for a, a decent markup to make a profit. Making expensive things more expensive. Yes. But as you would imagine, establishing warehouses near airports and then staffing them and then filling them with inventory and not knowing which pieces of inventory are going to be popular for any given warehouse. Yeah. I mean, what if you order five ties and you have six people who want a tie and then you don't have a tie at the warehouse that they're landing at? You know, how do you know five people in Chicago are going to want a tie? What if you or... order 300 ties and nobody ever orders a tie for the airport that that, that it's close to? Yeah, that's, that's a logistical nightmare. Yeah, exactly. Just even keeping track of what stock is in which warehouse, that alone was 
a real challenge. But yeah, you you there was no way to predict which products were going to be in demand because it was all dependent upon who was traveling where, right? Yeah. Like you can't even say like if you're if you're the owner of a retail business and it's a chain and you're looking at a chain across regions, you can draw general conclusions. You can say, oh, in the Southeast region, we see that X, Y, and Z products are really popular, but A, B, and C mm-hmm. aren't. So we won't worry about those. But in the Midwest, A, B, and C are really popular. But you can't do that with a business like this because – you're not looking at a region of a population. You're looking at people who are traveling to yeah. that destination. Well, and like you can order duty-free stuff on a plane a lot of times if you travel overseas. Yeah. But that's stuff that's already available for other people in the airport. It's not things outside of airport goods. Yeah, that, that has to be brought get. over. And of course, obviously, this is also before uh, 9-11 in the United States where it was also possible – to meet people at the gate without having a ticket yeah. to things. So these challenges beyond the 9-11 thing, because this, again, is a decade before that, mm-hmm. these challenges meant that that business model hit a real rocky start. And even by 1993, when the business that was only a few years old, it was losing $6 million per year. E gads. Yeah. So this could have been the end of the company right there. They could have just said, like, wow. We're never, you know, we're just going to have to keep raising funding, like do finance rounds mm-hmm. to to stay in business. And you can only do that so long before your investors say, Bye-bye. no, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or we have to change our business. So they decided they had to change the way the company operated. And from what I've read, this was not a unanimous decision among the founders. Like but, this, there was arguments. But a good one. It was a good one, yes. So they decided instead of being a company that would run its own warehouses – and maintain its own stock. Mm -hmm. They would rather publish a magazine and then they would charge other companies to advertise their goods in that magazine. So essentially it was a magazine completely made up of ads. Uh, There were two different types of advertisements that you could get and there were different sizes. Like you could get a quarter of a page, you could do a half page, you could do a full page. Uh, But they said this way we will charge companies to advertise their stuff, we won't have to carry all that overhead. I, I've worked for a couple of theater companies where I've had to do the ad generation for the programs. Mm-hmm. Ad space is, is pretty expensive. Yeah, uh, as it would turn out, Sky Mall space would be really expensive. So in uh, The Atlantic had a, a, an article about Sky Mall, and they said that in 2013, a full-page Sky Mall magazine uh, – presence if you were if you were doing an advertisement was forty two thousand nine hundred dollars per month yipes and sky mall came out quarterly which meant that an an issue would last three months so at minimum you would have to spend three months worth of that full page ad in order to get one issue of sky mall so you're looking at a full-page advertisement for one edition of Sky Mall Magazine could set you back $130,000 just about. Golly, you got to yeah. have a, a lot of distribution for that. Um, but they also changed how they delivered product, right? Yes, because now they were no longer the ones responsible for getting the product to the customer. They were facilitating the transaction. So it was the company 
that was behind whatever the product was. It was their responsibility to ship the product to the customer. So also it would never, it wouldn't get to you when you landed anymore. It would be shipped to whatever address you gave when you ordered it. Mm -hmm. So that was a big difference too. Um, And this again, removed a lot of the cost of doing business off of SkyMall, which certainly helped it make money. This was like a, a, a sea change when it comes to the way the company was doing business. Yeah. Well, they had another sea change. Yes. In their C-suite executives. Do you <laughs> like what I did there? You don't. You're making a no, face that, at me, Jonathan. That was that was great. Pray continue, Ariel. <laughs> uh, so the Atlantic ha- had an article, mm-hmm. or in the same article, which was titled The Strange Story of America's Most Delightfully Weird Catalog. Yeah, it's a great article, by the way. Uh, it quoted Christine Aguilera. Yeah, I was so disappointed to because when I first read that, I said, what? And then I realized, <laughs> oh, wait, it's Christine Aguilera, not Christina Aguilera. So I was very sad because I was fully expecting to have Jeannie in a bottle play through this entire episode. She was a former president of Sky Mall and hence the joke about C-suite changes. Yeah, she would become the president after uh, Worsley. We'll get to that in a second. She said that on average, every week, Sky Mall would field about 100 requests to feature stuff in the publication. Yeah, so there was no shortage of companies that wanted to get their their information in the magazine. And it's understandable because one of the very savvy things the company did was it established these contracts with various airlines – to be carried on those airlines. And they had an incredible penetration. It was like 88% of people traveling on planes in the United States were traveling on planes that were carrying SkyMall magazine. Wow. So yeah, nearly 90% of all air travelers. So it didn't matter if you were on Delta or United or Southwest or American Airlines, they all had SkyMall. So those eyeballs were going to that magazine. Because again, this was also before you could have electric, well, first of all, it was before smartphones. Mm-hmm. So nobody had, a, no one had a smartphone to begin with and no one had e-readers or anything like that. I mean, that. you could bring like a paperback on the plane with sure. you. Sure, but there were so many times where you would get onto the plane and then you think, oh, I forgot a book or, oh, my book is in my checked luggage. Yeah. You know, and you would realize you didn't have anything. So you would just... You know, you'd root around for whatever you could read, and Sky Mall was always there. Well, plus I always tell you to check out the literature in the pocket seat in front of you. So seat pocket in front of you. So, yeah, once you had really gone over the emergency procedures, then you could graduate up to Sky Mall. But things were going well at the time because now they had had this massive change in the way they did business. But soon a sequence of changes in ownership would create a massive brink moment for Sky Mall. But first, we're going to take a quick break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds 
offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here. Check the backseat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Okay, so Ariel, Mm -hmm. you know how we sometimes cover companies that end up having very confusing ownership stories just because... The industry they're in ends up being incredibly incestuous. Yeah, like like, like, like beer, <laughs> beer or fast food. Yeah, the beer and fast food companies in particular; those are ones that are really complicated. Well, SkyMall is also complicated, and it's made more so because for mo- most of its existence, it was a private company, mm-hmm. and as a private company, uh, it kept a much lower profile. You know, it didn't have to file the same information you would if you were a publicly traded company. And so unless you were really paying attention to the industry, changes in ownership probably wouldn't really, you know, to use an airline quote, fall on your radar because the the magazine was still in, in pockets on airplane seats mm-hmm. wh- no matter who the owner was. Yeah, I don't usually look at the publisher of the magazine I'm reading. And even if you did, it would still say SkyMall. Yeah. Just was All right, so we're going to try and talk about the changes in ownership. So pay attention because this is like a game of three-card Monty. You got to find the little lady as I'm flipping the cards around. So for the first decade or so of its existence, SkyMall was its own private company, right? Mm-hmm. Worsley's company, essentially. And uh, after that rocky start, it turned into a profitable business once it changed from being a retail-type company to a publishing company and an advertising company. In fact, you could argue that its business turned it into something akin to Google. Like, Google's not really a search engine company, you think of it as, but it's really an advertising company. Well, and I was going to say, where you're talking about incestuous uh, genres of company, Yeah, uh, I was like... How many airline magazines are there other than SkyMall and Delta? (laughs) Well, how many other airlines have you flown? Uh, So there are other airlines that do have their own in-house magazines, but SkyMall was the one that was across all of them. And so they established an online store not too long after that became started becoming a thing. Makes it did, sense. It took a little while, but yeah. Um, and, you know, they were operating things pretty regularly. And then in 2001, we get our first change in ownership, a company called Gemstar TV Guide. Not TV Guide, but Gemstar TV Guide acquired SkyMall. And Gemstar TV Guide, according to a helpful press release, was, quote, 
a leading media and technology company that develops, licenses, markets, and distributes technologies, products, and services targeted at the television guidance and home entertainment needs of consumers worldwide, end quote. It sounds like a whole bunch of uh, buzz talk. Oh, we're just getting started, Ariel. <laughs> but yeah, they made like interactive TV menus Okay, and so stuff. they actually made something legit. Yeah, like you know how the, how a lot of televisions you would hit the menu button and the little pop guide would pop up? They I, made stuff like that. I have cable. I understand. Okay. Well. I right. might be one of the few people. Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I don't remember the last time I turned my television on. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, uh, Robert Worsley was deciding he had – he was deciding to retire at this point. He had made a fortune off this. Uh, and so then Christine Aguilera at this point becomes the president. I'm a genie in a sky mall, yeah. baby. Still not still not genie in a bottle, Christina Aguilera. But in my heart, she always will be. So she ends up becoming the president for the in-flight business of Sky Mall. Now, that's going to be important a little bit later because there'd be another division within Sky Mall that would become increasingly important over the years. But... Everyone th- thinks of the in-flight business of SkyMall because that was the public-facing part, mm-hmm. right? That was the magazine that we all were familiar with. And then Gemstar TV Guide itself would end up eventually going out of business in 2008. But between its purchase of SkyMall and when Gemstar went bye-bye, it would actually sell SkyMall. This happened in 2005. So SkyMall wasn't a part of their downfall. No, no. Gemstar was already, like, they they had actually said that they were selling off SkyMall because it didn't align with their other business, like, their other business strategies. They said, well, this is kind of outside of what we want to focus on. And then what they focused on ended up not saving them. I wonder if they had a change of management that made that call. Well, that'll have to be a future episode of The Brink, right? So a company called Spire Capital Partners, along with a, a... Zelnick Media Corporation and Greenspun Media Group together bought SkyMall for $52 million, and Aguilera would continue her bottle days as president. (laughs) She stayed in that role. This is also kind of interesting because we're going to see multiple changes in ownership and not changes in leadership, which is – That's that's not usual. It's atypical. Yeah. Yeah, But it also meant that at least the parts of the SkyMall business would remain constant despite changes in ownership. Yeah. So the next change in management happened in 2012 when they sold to Najafi Companies. Yes. So this was an, an investment firm, a private investment firm named after the founder of Najafi Companies. And uh, this was through a subsidiary of Najafi Companies. Here's where it gets even more complicated. The subsidiary was Direct Brands. And it was specifically done through an affiliate of Direct Brands called Bookspan. I get it. Books. uh Magazine, span, yeah. flying. Yeah. And I, I would love to tell you how much this transaction was, but it was an undisclosed sum. I'm going to say $5. Okay, for five smackaroos. And Aguilera would remain as president. So the uh, Jaffe Companies also owned a couple of other direct-to-consumer brands. That's what SkyMall was kind of considered to mm-hmm. be as, you know, advertising direct-to-consumers. Uh, so the Book of the Month Club was a Najafi Company's it, property. It seems in line with their... With their product. Yeah. This was like, this is all kind of following the same strategy. And in 2013, the Jaffe Companies announced that Kevin Weiss, who had previously led a self-publishing company called Author Solutions, would be the new CEO of SkyMall. And Aguilera was still a president, but she was president of the in-flight businesses. And by this time, there was another 
uh, division. It was the loyalty program division, which we'll talk about in a little bit. All right. Uh, but now to get to the truly weird part. So we just had all those different changes in management. And right. almost all of all those are, are changes in ownership. Almost all of those owners were private equity companies, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like private equity company selling to a different private e- equity company that would sell to a different private equity company with, over and over and over again. With companies that made things that were trying to make Sky Mall fit into their brand. Yeah. And so then we get Exhibit Corporation, and they acquired SkyMall in May 2013. And this is amazing because we have Christine Aguilera and Exhibit. Although it's not spelled the same way as Exhibit the rapper. It is spelled differently from the word Exhibit. I was going to say, neither the rapper nor the Exhibit Corporation are spelled correctly. <laughs> well, I would argue the rapper's name is spelled exactly the way he wants it. But uh, yes, Exhibit Corporation is spelled X-H-I-B-I-T. And I can't tell you how many times I had to correct myself from spelling it like the rapper's name, which of course is X-Z. X-Z. Yeah. I, I kept on spelling it as the rapper's name as opposed to the corporation's name. Okay. So tell me about this really complicated story of Exhibit because – you can tell it way better than I can. All right. This is this is bonkers. I'm this, ready. This, this is what started to make my head buzz when I was researching this episode. So here's how it described itself in the press release that, that it issued when it merged with SkyMall because that is what happened. It was actually a merger, not an acquisition. All right. Exhibit Corporation is a cloud-based marketing and technology development company focused on digital advertising, mobile and social media development, and CRM, Customer Relationship Management, solutions. Exhibit offers a total solution for digital advertising and marketing that is integrated throughout its divisions and shares technology and resources across all of its services. Through its subsidiaries, Exhibit utilizes its branded products and services to provide digital marketing and advertising solutions for top-tier advertisers and agency clients. It sounds like they just said the three uh, they the same thing in three different sentences, three different ways. Yeah, and uh by the way, news flash, according to everything I read, it didn't do any of those things at all. It didn't do anything at all. Uh, well, it apparently brought in some revenue by selling some weird new agey food supplements and, and stuff. And colon cleansers you have here. Yep, colon cleanser. Yep. Mm. <laughs> yeah, in case your semicolon is dirty. It's a colon cleanser. Yeah, no, that was the thing was that it, it was not, from what I could tell, doing any sort of business in the cloud sphere or in advertising or in marketing apart from selling weight loss supplements and stuff like that, which is truly weird. And on top of that, to make this even more complicated, before they merged with SkyMall, They had done a different merger uh, in June 2012 where the Exhibit Corporation spent $350,000 to purchase another company. This company was called NB Manufacturing, which makes it sound like it's a manufacturing company, right? Yeah, maybe Mm. it makes the colon cleansers. It doesn't make anything. It was a shell company. Oh. So uh, shell companies are used for – usually as a holding space for financial transactions. And we could do a whole episode on what shell companies are, and maybe at some point we should mm-hmm. because it's a pretty confusing concept for and, people who are And not aren't. shell gasoline. Yeah, not, not the shell company, <laughs> but shell companies. And so uh, this shell company was a publicly traded company. 
And this was what you would call a reverse merger or reverse takeover, because what Exhibit Corporation did was they buy NB Manufacturing, then they reorganize so that NB Manufacturing is technically the parent company of Exhibit Corporation, which effectively makes Exhibit Corporation a publicly traded company. So they went from private to publicly traded without having to have an initial public offering. That sounds very questionable to me. And the SEC would agree with you. It is something that a lot of investors and the SEC say be on the lookout for. Uh, It's not technically illegal, but it is very questionable. And uh, beyond that, Exhibit already had a pretty bad reputation, and this particular move made that reputation even more questionable. Uh, Seeking Alpha... Uh, a website called Seeking Alpha with a, a journalist named Isaac Silberman, he's sort of an, uh, a financial analyst, looked into this. And Silberman raised a big warning flag about Exhibit Corporation and said that it looked like it was a pump and dump type of company. Uh, so a, a pump and dump scheme, for those who don't know, is when somebody or a group of somebodies gets hold of a lot of cheap stock and then through various efforts, usually involving misrepresentations of the truth – pumps the value of the stocks up before selling them off. Yep. If you've seen Wolf of Wall Street, it's Wolf of Wall Street. It's where you, you're like, I can get stocks for pennies, and then if I can convince people that the company is about to make a big move, the stock's value will go up because people will think that the company is more valuable. Then I offload it, and then it's off to Rio de Janeiro. Woo. Well, Exhibit was saying that their stock was around $40 million or so. Well, that's because they printed it like crazy when they took over and became a publicly traded company. So, yeah, on paper, it was worth $40 million. And then eventually its value was it – was, it was valuing itself really or really by the stocks that it had printed at $300 million. But this was a value that it couldn't support with any mm-hmm. – like – Anything it, like it wasn't based on anything. It was all just dream money. Yeah. Well, the CFO of Exhibit, Michael Shifsky, was involved with a lot of kind of bad penny stocks. Penny yeah. Stocks. Yeah. yeah. So he had a he had a reputation for already being involved in this kind of pump and dump sort of world, if not in a direct scheme, certainly within that same realm. And this would be the company that would merge with SkyMall in 2013. And in less than two years, the magazine would be in bankruptcy. Jonathan, what the heck happened? Well, Ariel, I'll tell you. But I need a sip of water, so let's take a quick break. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so. Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, and when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. 
All right, so Sky Mall sounds like it, it, it's been a bit of a joke, right? Mm-hmm. For years, it had included listings for all sorts of weird, I'd say cool. Some people would say odd, whimsical, somewhat useless and very expensive goods. Yep. Uh, I mean, You have a note here that says, who needs a Yeti in, the, in their garden? I do, Jonathan, but that's beside the point. Okay. I uh, think technically they call it a Bigfoot statue, but I always think of it as the Yeti in the garden. Uh, either way, I need one. Uh, but regardless of that and and what being what they're known for, in January 2015, news broke that they were going bankrupt. Yeah. They were filing for bankruptcy protection. Now, now that is the way a lot of it, of news outlets reported it. But then if you read the articles, you would see in every single case that what was actually happening was the parent company, Exhibit Corporation, was the one that was declaring bankruptcy. And so SkyMall belonged to Exhibit Corporation, but it was a bigger story than just SkyMall going bankrupt. And so what was going on? Well, let's roll back the clock a little bit. 2013, when that merger happened with Mm -hmm. Exhibit Corporation, Things were already going poorly for SkyMall for the reasons that we mentioned at the top of the show. You know, you had a lot of things competing for passengers' attention. You had a lot of competitors entering into the space like Amazon and eBay. So there were a lot of things that were contributing to SkyMall's decline. And in financial loss. Exactly. So in 2013, SkyMall reported that it had made $33.7 million in sales and that the magazine had lost $3.2 million that year. So it was overall a loss, even though it had $33.7 million in sales. That was a significant drop from the height mm-hmm. of its performance. At its height, I think it made $130 million in sales. So it had dropped precipitously. Now, did this include the loyalty program you had talked about earlier? It did not. The loyalty program, which was – it was essentially that SkyMall was handling the loyalty program for some big, big companies where if you use the big company's services, you would get loyalty points that you could then return for different goods or gift cards or whatever. SkyMall was handling those transactions. So this was a separate part of their business, a different division. Uh, So that one was bringing in $49 million in 2013. So they made, the loyalty program made more money than the magazine program in 2013. And uh, the loyalty program, however, was dependent primarily on three clients, Capital One, Caesars Entertainment, and Marriott Rewards. And if, you're de- if your business is dependent on just three clients, that's a big problem because if mm-hmm. any one of those three goes— Drops, that's a third of your revenue. Yeah, exactly. So this was—while it was bringing in more money than the magazine, it was also scary because you couldn't predict that that was going to be steady year to year. Well, and it scared Exhibit because they sold off that division in 2014. Yep. They sold it for $24 million. So the year earlier, it brought in more than twice that amount— it brought in $49 million, and then they sell it off the next year for $24 million. They did that, by the way, because they had an outstanding $15 million loan from Najafi, actually, uh, mm-hmm. that they needed to pay off. And so they sold off the loyalty program part of SkyMall. It's gone, and they end up paying off this loan. Well, Sky- unfortunately, SkyMall continues to decline. Yes, 
The following year, their sales dropped to $15.8 million. They don't have the loyalty program anymore. Uh, the changing rules in airlines had really affected SkyMall because now people were using ebook readers mm-hmm. and tablets and smartphones rather than flipping through the crazy stuff that was in SkyMall magazine. So this was uh, the beginning of the end. You had a lot of airlines that decided once the contract was up to carry SkyMall that they weren't going to renew that contract. Well, and not only that, but SkyMall ended up owing these airlines a lot of money. Yep. They uh, ended up uh, in their bankruptcy filing. They listed debts to Delta for $1.5 million, American Airlines for $1.6 million, Southwest was $400,000, and United Airlines $300,000. And then we have Exhibit. So at the time of the merger, Exhibit reported that it had done about $9 million in revenue. So a fraction of what SkyMall was doing. But then again, they were also only selling weight loss supplements and, and colon, colon cleansers. cleansers. Yeah, so so while SkyMall, even when it was struggling, it was bringing in way more money than Exhibit Corporation. And yet, according to the merger deal, Exhibit, and I, hey, hey, look, I spelled it the wrong way. <gasps> Exhibit got 60% of the merged company and SkyMall got 40%. Wow. So you're like, wait a minute. So SkyMall's bringing in the vast majority of revenue. But it gets the minority stake in the merged company. Well, and by the time they filed for bankruptcy, SkyMall was the only operating division in exhibit. Yeah, the colon cleansers got cleaned out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Jonathan. It's a poopy thing to do. But yeah, no, (sighs) SkyMall was – that was it. That was the only business exhibit corporation was doing. And uh, uh, it was clear that things had gone wrong. So Mm -hmm. if – like we don't know what the – actual strategy was Exhibit Corporation. If the strategy was to drive up the perceived value of Exhibit Corporation and then get the heck out of Dodge, it didn't – things collapsed too quickly for that to happen. Uh, If that was the plan. We don't know if that was the plan. Maybe they were sincere on the up and up the whole time, but there were a lot of red flags to worry about. Yeah. Um, So then uh, in the spring of 2015 – the bankruptcy uh, court ends up having an auction of the assets and auctions off SkyMall Magazine, and another company called CNA Marketing purchases it for $1.9 million. CNA Marketing operates photo chains like Ritz and Wolf. Yep. And I, it licensed Polaroid. I guess that's the one that most people would be familiar with. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know what Ritz and Wolf are, I mean, not bl- I don't blame you because that's – you know, the the photo industry is also one that is, is largely uh, mothballed at this point. So CNA would then use SkyMall's Twitter handle to send little messages that indicated that SkyMall would soon be back. <gasps> Yay! Yeah. Uh, and um, sure enough, it did come back a little bit because the online store came back. And the folks over at CNA Marketing said their plan was to get back into – planes, Mm -hmm. but that, as of the recording of this podcast, has yet to happen. Now, I was on a plane, I think in the past year or two, where I could swear there was a Sky Mall catalog, but it also could have been somebody punking me. I mean, it's possible. It's possible that, but it's like nowhere when I was doing research could I find any indication that it was coming back and had been back Mm -hmm. in uh, airplanes. Now, that's not to say that it hasn't. It might have, and it skipped my attention. But um, yeah, the website's still around. You can buy stuff off the website. I looked. Yeti's not there. You can't buy your Bigfoot Yeti online. I'm I'm sad. I'll have to... uh... 
I'll have to drown my sorrows in in a wine bottle carried by a butler statue. Right. Well, thank goodness you got that before Sky Mall went under. But the uh, so the the lessons we would tell you about in this particular episode, I think part of it is just that obviously business models can change dramatically. Mm-hmm. And we saw that early on with Sky Mall where they had to make a business model change or else they would have collapsed before they got yeah. started. Yeah. But then the emergence of things like the the competing uh, sources of attention or, or, or demands on attention, I should say, within an airplane meant that sticking with the airplane method of, of distributing your magazine was not going to sustain it. Yeah, and those were out of their control. Yeah, and then the emergence of things like Amazon and eBay meant that online stores were going to be far more difficult to manage and be competitive. Mm-hmm. So in a way, you could say that that SkyMall was muscled out just because of a changing market. Uh, but on top of that, this crazy exhibit corporation merger story, which is it's hard to say that you draw a lesson from that other than yeah. as an investor, it's really good to do research <laughs> yeah. on the company before you, you invest. You don't you don't want to be a part of that pump and dump mess. No. you Yeah. You don't want to be like, well, as long as I get out before it collapses, I'm fine because that just, that just means you're exacerbating a problem. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, do research on companies and, and be, be a, a responsible investor. And, I, and, and then, uh, you know, next time you fly mm-hmm. – Pour out a, a ginger ale for, <laughs> for, for Sky Mall. Mall. Uh, well, this was a really interesting story, Jonathan. Thank you for all of the research you've done on it. Well, you know, it's no Lisa Frank, but I figured uh. I could try and tackle it. <laughs> and thanks, Al, again for the for the great suggestion. Yeah, you've, you've given us a lot of suggestions, so I'm sure we're going to tackle some more of them in future episodes. But let's say that we've got somebody out there who is just – itching to hear us talk about Hello Kitty, how would they get in touch with us? Well, they could email us at feedback at thebrinkpodcast.show. I look forward to getting that Hello Kitty email. Me too. Yeah, you can also go to our website. That's thebrinkpodcast.show that has a list of all of our previously published episodes, plus information about your beloved hosts. Speaking of which, I have been Jonathan Strickland. And I've been Ariel Kasten. Business on the Brink is a production of iHeartRadio and How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela E is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B.